for Bryce. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you that on this last Sunday of, the new, of 2019 that you have uh, blessed us to be able to come together as a church family. And what a blessing it is now that Bryce is here to deliver this sermon to us. And I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon him. God, may uh, his words be your words. God, may you speak through, uh, through him. And God, may you give us a vision for, what, uh, for life in you. That our, that, our, that our vision would be on Christ. So God, I pray that by your spirit that you would bless this sermon. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you, Bryce. Amen, thank you. Uh, well, as Pastor Corey mentioned, I, yeah, I got a call, and he says, hey, I'm, I'd like to know, can you cover for me like the last week of the year? And I was thinking, uh, you can't say no to a pastor if he calls you, you know? So, uh, yeah, so I said, okay, sure. And he mentioned that... Uh, you guys are going over a sermon series on the Gospel of Luke, which is a good thing. He says, if you want to do Luke, you can do Luke. But then, since it was the last week of the year, I thought, let's do it like a New Year kind of theme. So that's what I decided to do. And I thought today we would talk a little bit about New Year's. You know, the year 2020 is coming this week. It's going to be New Year's on Wednesday. And uh, 2020 is interesting because there's going to be a lot of interesting things happening in 2020. First of all, notice that it's 2020. That's unusual. The first two digits, the second two digits match. That only happens once every century. Only once a century does that happen. So that means that there's a lot of people that don't actually ever get to see the year 2020, but we probably will, God willing, if we make it until Wednesday. So it'll be 2020. We also have the Olympics coming up this year. Where are the Olympics going to be this year? Japan. Now they're going to be in Tokyo. So in, in July, we're going to have the Tokyo Olympics. That's going to be an exciting thing. In November, we got a presidential election. That, that's going to be an interesting thing for this coming year. We won't talk about that because we've got to be out of here by like 3 o'clock this afternoon. So we won't talk about elections or anything like that. So there are a lot of interesting things going on with regard to the year 2020. But I thought today we'd talk a little bit about what everyone usually talks about during this time of year, and that is New Year's resolutions. What are, what's going to be our resolution for the year 2020? What is it that we're going to do? I'm going to do whatever, and you put it on a list. So knowing that I was going to talk about that this week, I, I was online all during the week, learn more about uh, New Year's resolutions. And I found out some interesting facts. Here's some interesting facts about resolutions. First of all, about 40 to 45% of Americans make a New Year's resolution. Now, I don't know if you make a resolution or not, but about 40 to 45% of people actually do. Now, age matters. Younger people are more apt to make resolutions Old people like me, we don't make resolutions, okay? 54% of younger people make resolutions. Only 37% of older people make resolutions. How about gender? Women. More women, over 50% of women make resolutions. Men, not so much. Men kind of know better because they know that they have failed uh, in the past. And speaking of failure, the resolution failure rate, okay, 92% failure rate on New Year's resolutions. So if you're going to make a resolution, 
know that you only have about an 8% chance of making it. Now, if you want to improve your chances of being successful with your New Year's resolution, look at this. The highest rates of success, 80%, when you make a resolution occur if you make a financial incentive attached to the resolution. Now, I go to Crossway Church, one of our sister churches in our conference, and I've got a very good friend of mine, Joe. I'm, I'm really glad he's not here today. Now, Joe is a real good friend of mine. Um, he's a little overweight. Joe's a little overweight. And a couple of years ago, I noticed, man, Joe, man, he's, Joe was looking good. I mean, he's starting, he was losing weight. He was looking pretty good. And I said, hey, Joe, man, I was just noticing, man, you're losing weight. You're, looking, you're really looking trim. And he says, you know what happened? On New Year's Day, our, we have a family get-together, you know, every New Year's, and my sisters and my brothers and some of our relatives were kind of, were all overweight. So we decided to make a bet. We each put in $100. And the one person in our group that lost the most weight for the year would get this financial benefit. And, and he won. Uh, later, the, the following year, he told me that he won, and he got $800. He got $800 as a benefit to being, number one, fulfilling his New Year's resolution. So I thought today we would talk about what the most common, the most common New Year's resolutions are. And I cheated a little bit because, as you know, every year it kind of changes a little bit. And I looked at the 2019 survey. They took a 2019 survey, national survey, and they just completed it in November, last month. They just completed it. The number one New Year's resolution in America this year is what? Does any guess? Anybody got to guess what it might be? Diet, yeah. Actually, that, that's, that, that's, a, that's a good guess. Actually, the number one this year, 51% of people are making a resolution that they are more financially responsible. You know, anything having to do with paying bills on time, saving more, uh, not spending as much, <clears throat> but having to do with more financial responsibility, that was really the, the key thing. Now, the crazy thing when I'm online this week, I'm looking at things, you know what I come across? when it comes to find, um, New Year's resolutions, I came across this, this, this article about family feud. Have you ever heard of family feud? Okay, if you don't know what family feud is, it's a TV program, it's a TV game show. They have two families that act as teams. And they ask the studio audience a particular question, and they do a survey. It's not scientific or anything like that. It's just, a, it's just an audience survey. And they, they try to get these two teams to determine who can guess what the top four, five, six, seven answers, whatever it happens to be. And I found out by looking online that they actually asked this very question. They asked the question, what are going to be your, what's going to be your New Year's resolution for this year? And so, since we're in church today, we're going to do church family feud. This is going to be West Covina church family feud. We're not going to have two teams, but what we're going to try to do with church family feud today, just to kind of find out, 
is the top five answers of the New Year's resolutions are on the board up here. And I want us to maybe guess what those resolutions might be. Let's maybe take 10 guesses and let's see if we can come up with the top five. So, anybody got any ideas what the top five? Remember, this, is, this was an audience, TV audience survey. So the top five, any ideas? What's that? Lose weight. That, that, man, that's great. Can somebody keep track of these? Uh, Renee or something? <laughs> Lose weight. Okay, that's one. That's one. Let's see if we can get, there's, there's only five answers. So any other resolutions you can think of? What's that? Read God's word. Oh, man, that's a good one. Now, I don't know about America. I know that. I know, I know we would probably think that that's a good one. But reading God's word, number two. But any others? Pray more. Pray more. That's a good one. That's a good one. Praying more. What do you think the studio audience said besides those three? Evangelizing. Evangelizing. That's a good one. Any others? No, so, oh, man, that's a, now, no social media is a good one. That would be a 92% failure rate one, but that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, any others? Can you think of any, anything else that a person, what's that? Buy a house. That's a good one. Hey, man, that's a good one. Buy a house. What do you think? Let go of Ungodly things, yeah, that's great. Okay, uh, let, letting go of ungodly things. Anything else that we can think of? Are we, Renee, are we, at, are we at 10 yet? We're only, so we, th we need three more. See how close we get. What's that? A new, ooh, a new job. Look for a new job. All right, anything else? Forgive. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. We could all use that one. Anything else? What's that? Eat better. Eat more healthy. All right. We're at what? Nine? Ten? Be grateful. All right. Let's see what the audience on Family Feud said. Number one answer survey said, lose weight. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's man, I got to do that one too. Lose weight. We got to all lose weight. That was the number one answer, 36%. The second answer, learn to play an instrument. <laughs> I don't get this one at all. 30% said learn to play an instrument as their New Year's resolution. Number three, survey said, learn to speak a new language. What is up with these family feud people? Learning to speak a new language, 20%. Number four, quit smoking. Now, see, there was a time decades ago where quit smoking might have been like number one. But so few people smoke nowadays that it is down with only 10%. And the last answer was one that we got. Get a new job. Yeah, that was a great answer. That was a great answer. Their survey said that getting a new job, that was 4% of what they said. Now, Pastor uh, Corey and I had an agreement um, we said if we got 100% on the test this year on this, um, everyone would get $5,000 today. But don't worry, next year we'll try again, and maybe, 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 maybe we'll have uh, some winning, winnings going on. So 
since this is really a sermon message, although this is kind of fun to talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions, I thought we would look at the Bible and look in terms of what the Bible says with regard to New Year's resolutions. So I looked online for a lot of biblical commentaries this week. And I have to tell you, there was very, very little said in biblical commentaries that I saw with regard to resolutions, New Year's resolutions, because the Bible doesn't say anything about New Year's resolutions. It doesn't say to do New Year's resolutions. It doesn't say not to do New Year's resolutions. It's, the Bible is silent with regard to New Year's resolutions. But interestingly enough, in 1 Timothy 4.8, and there was reference made to this a number of times, the Bible does talk about being a higher calling, there's a higher calling than exercising and losing weight and becoming more physically fit. And it comes from 1 Timothy 4.8. It says, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness, godliness is of value in every way. It's of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. I really appreciated Pastor Corey's comments a little earlier this morning because he made reference to this, the fact that when we worship, we're worshiping understanding that there is more than just the current life that we have. There is a life to come. There's a life that is going to continue. And so, therefore, it is good to really take this into account. Although exercising diets and exercise and healthy lifestyles are important, they all impact, as did all of the prior resolutions that we saw, they all impacted current life, our current standing, and has nothing to do with our future life, which is actually more important because eternity is a long time. Eternity is a long time, and that's where we're going to be spending our time. So indeed, we should be looking in terms of resolutions that really will impact our future in a positive way for eternity. So I did find one commentary, one biblical commentary, that I thought was very, very worthwhile to really discuss with you further today. And actually, that came from a guy by the name of John Piper. John Piper, who some of you may have um, uh, read some of his, his uh, books um, and may be familiar with what John Piper has written about not wasting your life, uh, John Piper made reference to 1 Thessalonians, I'm sorry, that's listed as 1 Thessalonians, actually it's 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 11 and 12. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, if you wouldn't mind turning to 2 Thessalonians um, chapter 1, it's, there are two verses that John Piper listed pertaining to New Year's resolutions. And there were verse 11 and 12. Now, the difficult thing about sometimes pulling uh, scripture, especially just two bits of scripture from the Bible, is that it is taken out of context. In other words, the way this scripture starts off, it says, to this end, we always pray for you. It starts off with, to this end. Well, what is he talking about? To this end? What's, what's this end? What end? What end is it that, that 
Paul is talking about here as he's writing to the Thessalonians. So I think it's, it's good to really establish more of a framework for why Paul is actually stating this. So let me just give you a real quick background on the, on the book of Thessalonians, particularly uh, the second book of Thessalonians written by Paul. Now, Paul and his partner, I mean, he had a partner named Silas. Silas was his, that was his buddy, man. So Paul and Silas took this trip. They went to Thessaloniki, which is a, which is a, a, a really a, a town right on the coast in Greece. And that's where they went. And they preached the gospel there. And a number of Jewish followers and a number of Greeks really took up the, the whole idea of worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ and their ministry there was really quite fruitful. But with anything else as, at, that Paul experienced, when he and Silas were in Thessaloniki with the Thessalonians, what happened was there was a lot of pushback. There was a lot of persecution that those that were followers of Jesus Christ were, were actually experiencing because of the fact that there was those in families, friends that are saying, did you hear about this guy Paul and this guy Silas? They're preaching about Jesus Christ, and there's a lot of people that are starting to believe and follow Jesus Christ. But you know what? I think we should shun them. I don't think, I don't think that's true at all. And the Roman soldiers of the day would say, no, there is only one king, and that is Caesar. The Roman Caesar is the only king. There is no Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not the king. So for that reason, many of the Thessalonians, the believers there, were actually persecuted and were facing a great deal of difficulty. People were against them. And among the Thessalonian people were false teachers who would say things like, you're, you're trying to believe in a, in a Christ that Paul says is going to come back. There's no, there's no Jesus Christ coming back. That's, that, he, that already happened. Jesus is in the past. There is no Jesus Christ second coming that's ever going to happen. When Paul heard of this, he was very disturbed. And he said, I've got to write a letter. I've got to write an epistle. I've got, got to let those Thessalonians know that indeed Jesus Christ is coming back. Jesus Christ is coming back. And therefore, he writes this second letter, and in the first, first chapter of 2 Thessalonians, he tells the Thessalonians, I know you have been subjected to persecution. I know people have been picking on you. I know that people have really been giving you a bad time because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something. Fear not. Don't be concerned about that. You know why? I'll tell you why, Paul says. He says, because Christ is coming again. Jesus Christ will be coming again at a, a second time. Now, we all know what happened when Jesus came the first time because we just celebrated the birth of Christ, or at least his coming to the world. Um, we know that Jesus came to the world in a very humble way, right? Swaddling clothes. In a manger, he, was, he came to the world, and he spent an entire life of humility and service. Humility and service. Now, we know that he wasn't born at that particular time. In, 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 uh, in John, the first chapter of John, uh, verse 1, it tells us right away that, that, that Christ was always 
with God, and he was God. He was there from the beginning. So we know that Jesus wasn't just born on Christmas Day. We know he always existed in eternity past. But he came to the world in humility. He came to the world in humility and service for us. But Paul, t Paul tells him something. He tells the Thessalonians, yeah, he came the first time, and he came to save us. But you know what? When he comes the second time, he's coming to judge. He's not going to be playing. He's coming to judge. Okay? And that is the whole part of the first part of this chapter. Paul is telling the Thessalonians, don't worry. Even though you've been persecuted, even though you've been treated unfairly for following Jesus Christ, there will be justice. There will be justice because when Christ comes again, he will judge. And he's going to judge by saying one thing. Did you follow? Are you a follower? Are you a believer of Jesus Christ? And those who are not will be judged. Okay? And that's what leads into these two, these two scriptures that follow. To this end, because of the fact that Christ is coming back again, that's the end, he continues... We always pray for you. We notice that, that Paul, Silas, and Timothy are praying for the Thessalonian church. We are always praying for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. Oh, gosh, his calling. That means we that are Christians, we that are Christian believers have been called. Okay? God has, by his grace and grace alone, called us, called us to be his own. Okay, so Paul is telling these Thessalonians, God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every, look at that word, resolve, that's resolution. The New Year's resolution to resolve for what? For good and every work of faith by his power, not by our own power. God is going to provide the power for us to do good work in faith, okay? So this is the message of what resolution is from Paul's perspective as he's discussing this with the Thessalonians. He goes on to say, so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus, may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul goes on further to say that we, or you as Thessalonians, you Thessalonians are to be examples so that when anybody sees you, Christ is glorified because they see by example your own behaviors and the way that you behave. People who are not yet Christians can say, you know what, that Thessalonian Christian over there, there's something different about her or there's something different about him, okay? There is something in them that makes them different because they have Christ Jesus in their life. And you know what? The same thing applies to us today. These same words that Paul shared, which actually come from God and were expressed through Paul, are really applicable to us today. Now, has the second coming occurred yet? No, we are still waiting for Christ's second coming. But we should be just as prepared as Paul has asked the Thessalonians to be. He wants them to continue to work to be worthy of his calling. It's not like saying, okay, you guys have been saved now, so you know what you can do? Man, just chill. 
just kick back. You don't have to do anything because you're already saved, right? No, Paul's not saying that. He is encouraging good works and being examples of good faith, okay? And that same application applies to us today as it did to the Thessalonians, okay? So, in essence, what Paul is actually saying is that there are New Year's resolutions, and those resolutions are that we will make ourselves worthy of God's grace. The actual term used in Scripture is to make you worthy of God's calling. We are to be made worthy of God's calling. We have been blessed by grace to be Christian believers, but we can't just rest on that. We have to continue to work, to sanctify ourselves, to continue to work toward making ourselves worthy of that calling that we have been blessed with. The second thing, that our actions would be a result for good in every work of faith, that we are doing things in a positive way, that our lives become a positive influence on others. And finally, to summarize what, what these verses say, that our lives would be examples that bring honor to the name of Jesus. We are to bring honor to the name of Jesus. That the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. That's us. And when people see us, they say, you know what? The Lord Jesus is glorified and honored through what I see in that person. Okay? So perhaps that those that do not know Jesus Christ may ask you about it may ask you why you're different, may ask you why it is that you have a joy or a presence about you that is Christ-influenced, that can make a difference. All right, so therefore, what kind of resolutions might we really think about, okay? Let me ask you these things to, to consider. Are there worldly idols in, in our lives that have become our top priority? that occupy a large portion of our time and money. You know what? It is often said that if you want to know what your God is, look and see where you're spending your money and your time. That will be a good indication. That will be a good indication. Look in your checkbook. Where are most of those checks going to? Okay? Look at how you're spending your time. It could be, it, it could be social media. It's, that's a, it could be, that could be an idol. Maybe it's work. Maybe work is so important to you that there's nothing else that tops the importance of work. Who knows what it may be, but you know. You know how it is that you're spending your time. Are there people in our lives who we're angry with? I know there's people in my life over the years I've been angry with. Or unkind to. Yeah, I've done that too. I've been unkind to people as well. Or perhaps these might even be our own family members. Is anger a part of our lives? Okay? Somebody said forgiveness earlier as a resolution. Maybe forgiveness is an important part of what we might consider as a resolution that would be Christ-like. What are some of the things that we might do to help someone in need? I don't like putting up lists like this because I'm guilty on each one of them. You know, helping someone in need. How many times have I seen someone in need and you know what? I just got to tell you this really quick story. Man, I'm driving to work one day, and it was raining. It was really, really raining hard. Man, I'm driving to work. It's raining, and I pull up to this intersection. The intersection is flooded. I look off to the side, 
and standing on the sidewalk is a woman with a small boy, with a small child. Man, the light turns green. I'm looking at this woman, and I'm looking at this child. I hit the gas, and I go. Because I'm looking at my watch, man. I got to go to a meeting, okay? So I just keep on going, but I'm thinking about this woman. I said, you know what? What kind of a Christian are you? You just, you, you know, you don't stop to help the lady. And the car, her car was there, too. I mean, it was like parked to the side of the road. Man, I just kept on going. Get on the 210 freeway. Man, I'm driving down to 210, and about... Man, I couldn't get this. I couldn't get this woman. I was just really feeling guilty. I couldn't get this woman on my mind. Man, finally, after about ten minutes of driving on a two ten, I actually pulled off the freeway. I get off the freeway. I turn the car around. I get back on the other on ramp, the other direction. I get on the freeway. I'm driving. Man, I'm saying, how, why could I? How could I have not even thought about stopping for her? And she had a little child with her too. So I, man, I'm driving. And, and I finally get off, man, I'm driving, I'm trying to get back to the same intersection. I finally get back there, she's gone. And the little boy's gone, okay? The car's still there, but somebody has, somebody has been kind enough to pick her up and get her out of the rain. But it wasn't me. It was not me. <laughs> so later on that evening, Man, later, that kind of stuck with me all it stuck with me all all day. And then that, that night I, I, I got home. I, I mentioned this, I mentioned this thing that happened to my wife. I said, hey, I was telling my wife, I said, you know, something happened to me this morning. And I explained what happened about, about the woman, how I, I didn't even I didn't help her. I just kept on going. And I, I thought my wife was gonna be real real sensitive about it and you know, just kind of, you know, just really kind of saying, there, there, that's okay, don't worry about it. You know, she just looked at me and she said, that was Mary and Jesus. And <laughs> what? Don't make me feel worse. <laughs> but, yeah, he's just one of those kind. She, you know, that's what she said. That, that was probably Mary and Jesus that you just left stranded. So the point being, don't be like me. Don't be like me, okay? The point being that when we see a need, think in terms of how you can help, be helpful to, to another. All right, moving on. What are some of the ways we could serve the Lord by stepping out in faith to rely on his power and not our own? Verse 11 really addresses this, talking about relying on God's power and not our own. There are so many times when ministry opportunities, things that the Lord perhaps would have us participate in, happens and it crosses our, our life path, and the first thing we do, or the first thing I do is, mm, is that something I could do? Is that, well, I'm not that good at that, all right? You know, I, I'm, I try to do all this assessing of what my own ability and power is and whether or not I, that fits me or not, okay? What Paul is telling the Thessalonians is to not think that way, to rely on God's power. In verse 11, he talks about God's power and not our own, using his power. It's often said, uh, particularly when, when we're recruiting for missions work, your short-term missions, you know, we always say that God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. Wow, okay? Oftentimes, when we have a call to serve in ministry, we say, well, 
you know what, I'm not that good at that. I don't know if I could do that. I, you know, don't worry about whether or not you feel you are gifted in a particular area or are equipped. Step out in faith. Step out in faith and see what God does to provide the power so that you may step out in faith to serve and glorify Jesus Christ. He will be there for you, even though you may think that you're not well equipped. The next one, how could we be an example that brings honor to the name of Jesus so that the Lord Jesus may be glorified in us? Remember, this was talked about in verse 12. What is it that we can do to serve as an example? What, is it, what, what are ways that we could change our behaviors so that when people see us, they say, you know what? That's a Christian believer there. That is a Christian believer. Okay? Do our ways of behavior reflect that? And if not, what are some of the things that we might personally think about with regard to having a 2020 vision. We know that 2020 vision is normal, perfect vision. Very few of us have it without correction, but 2020 vision is what we should keep in mind, especially in the year 2020. We have 2020 coming up. Let's look for 2020 vision for what God clearly would say to us and how we can better focus on Jesus for the coming year. Let's think about that. Let's think about that. For the year 2020, what would be your vision? What's going to be your resolution? What are you going to do this year as a resolution? Okay? Think about it this way. Because usually when we hear a message like this, eh, it's okay, got it, got it, got it. I'll read the Bible and I'll read those things. But I want to put you into a scenario that I'd like you to think through with me. Pretend like after we hear this message today, later on tonight, you're in your room by yourself at home, okay? You're in your room. And you're thinking about, gee, I, you know, what kind of New Year's resolution would I make? I mean, you know, I know most people don't make them, but if I had to make a resolution, what would it be? And all of a sudden, man, a beam of light comes into the room and standing before you, this is kind of scary, it's Jesus. Jesus is standing there, and he looks you straight in the eye. And he says, you know what? I know you've been thinking about what you would change vision-wise for the year 2020. I would just say this to you. My greatest hope for you is this. My one greatest hope for you for this coming year is this. And he walks over to the side of your face and he whispers that greatest hope to you. Did he say, man, you got to lose 20 pounds? <laughs> Would Jesus say that? I don't know. That's what many resolutions are. Would he say, man, you got to start paying your bills on time? Would Jesus say that? Would Jesus say that? Would he say, I want you to learn a new language or get a new job? Would he say that? No, I think the greater question is with 2 Thessalonians Chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, knowing what we know about what Jesus would expect, what would he say? What did Jesus whisper in your ear as his greatest hope 
for your resolution for 2020. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much, uh, Lord, for your word. And, um, you know, we've, we've um, just concluded 2019, as uh, Darren had mentioned earlier. For some of us, it was a very uh, uh, challenging time. For others, there was joy um, to, be, to be grateful for. But as we look forward for 2020, Father, um, rather than to look at ways that we can either lose weight or change our diet or exercise more or look at some of the worldly things that Pastor Corey has, has mentioned earlier today that are only available to us in this world, let's have an eye. Let's have an eye toward the future. Let's, let's have an eye toward eternity. What would be our 2020 vision for working with ourselves in ways that would glorify Jesus, in ways that would serve you better, in ways that would sanctify us, to set anger aside, to set unkindness aside, to perhaps do things for those who could use our help, Father. We pray also that we would look toward ways perhaps that we could minister, Father, ways that we could volunteer, ways that we could actually rely on your power and not our own. Father, I just thank you for West Covina Christian Church, Father. We just have so many brothers and sisters here today who are just so joyful and look forward to the coming year. And we pray your richest blessing upon this church. We pray that you will be with us as we seek to find a strong, focused vision on Jesus Christ in the coming year. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bryce. Let's give him a round of applause. And just rise as we just uh, sing our closing song.